Good morning. You guys are just so cool, man. Like, just smooth. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I got to set my beard game up also. This is unacceptable. Yeah. But thank you, guys. I love y'all. You know, y'all can go relax or I don't know, like, with their, like, a smooth cue to transition the band. But I just totally ruined it just then. I just killed all the mood. But, man, how good was worship this morning? That was beautiful. I love it. Um, man, this thing is fun, guys. I need you to understand that I got to really, you know, in, 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 in racing, especially in, uh, you know, the Olympic, you know, the 4 by 400 meter sprint, that last leg, everyone's on the edge. There's so much excitement and passion. But when you think about it, it's a culmination of teams and trainers and there's a fight and then there's a synergy when that baton is passed really well, everybody wins, everybody. So honestly, I feel like I got to benefit from the last leg of weeks of prayer, months of preparation, years of relationship building. And it was fun, but it was fun because there was a church that fought, that prayed, that believed, that sacrificed, that gave. Come on, so make some noise for yourself one more time. Y'all gotta understand. Hear me, and, and I, I've said this to Pastor Charles, like, guys, what I'm about to tell you is not like the traveling preacher guest pleasantries, okay? I am not trying to earn brownie points here just to come back. I have been doing schools ministry for over 10 years. I have been in every, literally, except for Canberra, I have been everywhere in this nation. I don't know why Canberra doesn't like me, but, you know, praise the Lord. They're not even letting me go to Canberra. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's like a, min, uh, like a memo that went around. Anyways, it has nothing to do with anything. But here's the point. In my entire life of ministry and of working with schools, I have never, ever, ever seen a team that went into schools with as much passion, with as much excellence, with as much energy, and with as much buy-in as what you guys did as the Hope Talk. So give yourselves a round of applause. Like, never in my life was this was a presentation over, and were we ever like, dang, like, do we need to tell the team to calm down? Like, because the kids are like, and like, it was amazing, guys. Normally, like they said, like half the time when you're doing this, you have to spend more energy sometimes waking up the local team and the local ministry because it's like, hey, come on, buddy. I'm here to help your youth ministry grow with these kids. So how about you show a little bit of passion so that they'll actually look at you and maybe be motivated for Jesus? You know what I'm saying? But it was phenomenal. So, Pastor, like, like Jordan, bro, you, you're just nuts, man. I love you. Like, I don't know where they got you from, but I just... Wherever that place is, I just want to go there. You know what I'm saying? But I love you. You're amazing. And just, yeah, Pastor. So I got, I'm not fluffing it up. I, I had to say that. I, I, I've never seen a local missions trip coincided with a schools tour. Normally, it's just like, hey, whoever wants to rock up, whoever wants to help out. But the intentionality, the planning, the buying, like, your volunteers paid to help? What? It doesn't even make sense. Like, that is so cool. So I just, yeah, so I, whatever you guys are doing, guys, this is not normal. I need you to know this. You guys are not just some church doing something nice in some part of Australia. 
You guys are leading the way and are pioneering what school's ministry is going to look like for the next generation. So can we celebrate what God is doing for that? That's great. I had to, I had to say that. I had to have some fun. Um, but yeah, like, like, like as he said, I, I bid you greetings on behalf of Kingdom City. Our senior leaders are Pastors Mark and Jemima Vergis, and they are pumped that I am here, and they love Pastor Charles. Like, they love this team. They love you guys. Literally, my first introduction to Pastor Charles was through Kingdom City emails, as not I organized this, but Pastor Mark and the team, they said, hey, Blake, we're going to send you here because we want to partner with these guys. So I'm like, yep, cool, yes, sir. And that's how this whole thing happened. And I love what God is doing in this, the bigger picture of his body. And it's been nuts. And uh, they, they, they send their love and they say, I, literally, I was just talking to them this morning. Also, I am here as a husband and as a father, married nine years. I got three gorgeous little mocha latte daughters. Can we put that photo of my family on the screen? I just want to show you my, my little tribe, you know what I'm saying? My people in my neck, not my neck of the woods. You know, they are gorgeous. They are cute. They are chocolatey. I'm just building up the momentum as that photo just comes up right now. It's, 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 oh, what? Yeah? No? Okay, we got it. Okay, cool. We'll get it. We'll get it later. But yeah, find that. I sent the email to Pastor Charles. He chucked it to someone. But I will, the anointing's not going to come until you see a photo of my kids and my wife, guys. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's horribly sacrilegious. Anyways, but can we have, can we, I mean, you're laughing already, whether it's awkward, like, who is this guy? Or whether you're actually genuinely having fun. But we're going to play a little game. We're going to have some fun. And I wanted to give you guys a taste of what we do as the Hope Tour when we go into schools. And see, this is the reason why. Because when you walk into a room, there's three crowds. One crowd immediately hates you because you're different. There's another crowd that immediately loves you because you're not the maths teacher. And then there's this middle crowd that's slightly undecisive, and they're just waiting to see which of the prevailing factions wins, and then they'll decide whether they're going to throw in their vote or not. You know what I'm saying? And so when you come into a school, you got to earn it. You got to work for it. These kids are like, who the heck are you? Get stuffed. Why are you here? And so I love to play a little game. You know, I'm not Andino. You know what I'm saying? I'm more like, you know, like Nutella, but it's all good. And, and we're going to have a little bit of fun this morning, but I want to play a game called called the pocket game. Everyone say the pocket game. Now here's what's going to happen, and I want to get some of the parents involved, especially you amazing mothers, because you have this magical time portal slash vortex slash storage device called a purse. And there's magical things in there. Mary Poppins got nothing on y'all. You know what I'm saying? And so what I want us to do is dig into your pocket right now or your purse, and I want you to just find the most random object you can find. You know, I, you know just anything strange or unique. We want to have fun. And what I'll do is this. If I got any Hope Tour crew in the audience right now, I want you guys to stand to your feet and actually help me pick some amazing parentals that is going to come up right now. You guys know the drill, so just float around the room and see some good stuff. So if you got something random, just hold it up high in the air and just come on up. There you go. The stranger, the better. The, yeah, the, the more crazy and on off, and give me, give me a good 10, give me about 10 volunteers and let me get some lights on this stage. It's going to be good. This is going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm excited about this is good. 
I got some brave tributes right now. This is fantastic. This is amazing. This is good. This is good. This is good. How you doing, sir? You are a brave gentleman, I just want to say. Now hear me, I promise, this is fantastic. Hear me, I promise I am not going to make you dance, okay? So just take a deep breath right now, but hold your object high in the air so the audience can see. So, oh, it's all good, close enough. Melbourne math, it's, it's the same thing, it's all good. You know, the education system. Anyways, so, ladies and gentlemen, you can confirm that you know these people. You can confirm... I did not plant these objects on them. Can you guys confirm that these are all your belongings and you brought these up of your own free will? Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, what's gonna happen is you're gonna see something completely spontaneous, improvised, spur of the moment, non-fat, organic, and gluten-free, and it's vegan, okay? It's, it's amazing. Basically, it's nothing. Anyways, so what's gonna happen is I'm gonna take every single object they're holding up, and I'm gonna turn it into a freestyle song with a little bit of hip-hop flavor just for you guys. Who's ready to see this happen? This is gonna be good. But Pastor Charles, you get to decide. Just to raise the stakes, you get to pick which side do you want me to start on. You, you, that side or that side, you decide. Done, over here. How you doing? I've got all my vaccinations, I won't bite, I promise. It's all good. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, gonna start that track for me and I'm gonna show you what happens in Hope Tour. Come on, moms and dads, you guys know this song. You guys, this is good, this is good, just go on. Just, just, you know, are, are you guys ready to go? I, oh, I didn't even say dance. Look at you guys. There you go. There you go. I like that. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Ever since I got God, I got it made. I'm feeling what my mama got the first stage. See, I do it, and now I got my head in. If my soul is dirty, look at Jesus, he's my medicine. That is how I'm rocking, and you know I go in Taylor. My jacket's kind of tailored. This is an inhaler, but this is how we do, and we living for the blaster. He's the bread of life, the Holy Spirit cures my asthma. That is how I'm talking, and you know that's how I thistle. And shout out to the referee, the mom, she blow the whistle. Cause you know how we do it, it gets kind of exciting. I guess she uses this when her kids start to go fighting. You know that I'm rocking, and now I bust the breeze. Cranberry, pomegranate, that's my wife's favorite tea. And he knows how we do it, and this is how I blinky. I'm feeling kind of fresh, but let me see you practice your pinky. Uh-uh. You know how we doing, but we gotta move. Shout out to my mama, got the attitude. And I feel it, you know that's how we stand straight. Today Jesus gonna do surgery, not just a band-aid. And you know we rocking, and now you know the energizer. Shout out to the mom. Holy Spirit's like that sanitizer. You know we do it, but you notice how they hurt me? It's crazy for sanitizer, cause my life was so dirty. But then he, God came in, and he came and lived to learn. And then you know he learned, and he cured up all my germs. And that is how I do, and you know I got a call. Got the fire in my spirit, but throat needs butter menthol. And that is how I tell it, and you know how to rag drop. You go girl and sell some houses on your laptop. And you know I do it, and soon I say, now this is my allotment of medicine for the day. Now 
see the word and we come, you know, excited in. Ladies and gentlemen, read your Bible. That is your vitamins. And you know we do it. And see, you know we hurish. And some of y'all, you're feeling sick because you're just spiritually malnourished. <laughs> you know I rock it now. You know we do it right. I got the heart and the eye. It says squeaky clean wipe. And every time I read John chapter 1 and 4, 1 and 9, he's my wife and I'm feeling fine. You know how you do it. And now you know the whole. See, Mrs. Chris Apulli, God, he wipes up your soul. And this is how I'm doing it. I'm feeling kind of right. All moms make some noise if you got some squeaky clean wipes. Huh. And you know I rock it. And you know I let the beat drop. Wow. This is a real mom. Came with her kid's socks. And I do it though. And you know I'm on the brink and I'm on the edge. Oh wow, they don't even stink. Huh. And you know how I'm hunt. And I do it like now. Oh my gosh. It's like that pop toy and it goes in the crowd. And this is crazy. This is how we do. See, I'm a real brother. She came with a toy. Yo, shout out to the real mothers. And I'm almost done. And you know I'm on that towel. And I think this is a tool or some kind of wooden dowel or is this like a weapon that share a wand oh i'm gonna give it back to you because i am scared so you know how i do it and i roll it like the torna and i shout out daddy and he came with the transformer just like a man to come with the boy toy decepticons come autobots must destroy and you know i represent you now you know we stint so look when i need a man i'm gonna holler at you for mentos but now i do it and i be the rap singer shout out to this mom she's got the mentos pack up on her finger Give these guys a round of applause right now here. High fives, high fives. You guys can go back to your seats. That was absolutely amazing. I just want to know, like, is that, was that like a weapon? What is that? It's for your joints. And, and you brought it to church on a Sunday morning. Well, we'll, we'll just bless your soul. Just, it's okay. See, you, you, you find out who people really are when they, when they open up their bag. That was, that was awesome. That was so good. You guys having fun this morning? So by about this time in the school's presentation, people are kind of like, oh, okay, he's kind of cool. And then you just go on with the thing. But can I talk to y'all this morning? Is that okay? I'm about to do a really cool segue into the word that has nothing at all to do with anything that I just did. But you know when you go to a restaurant and they give you that little like bowl of shit. Oh, there we go. See, look at the presence of God. It just came just like that. The glory just fell. But that is my wife and my three girls. My daughter, my oldest daughter, Kehlani, she is six. My middle daughter, Zion, she is five. And my youngest little pink princess there is Shiloh and she is three. And my wife is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? That is my crew. And, and believe Believe it or not, my wife is actually an Australian amazing woman of God. Uh, we met at the Los Angeles Dream Center in 2008, literally bumped into each other in the lobby. She was coming around the world. I had graduated actually from the rehab and recovery center at the Los Angeles Dream Center. That's why I love the Hope Center in the back there, and I think God's going to do just phenomenal things with that. But I am I'm living proof of just people that sacrifice. Two pastors from Arizona bought an abandoned 14-story hospital and said, look at what God could do. In the middle of downtown Los Angeles, they lowered the crime rate by 75%. They have 250 simultaneous outreach ministries. So guys, keep sowing and keep believing into what God is doing here. You ain't seen nothing yet. But um, part of actually is, you know, that interesting enough is what I want to share in my story. Because for so often and for so long, you know, when you, when you come to God and he redeems you and he restores you, sometimes you're ashamed 
to talk about what God brought you out of. Because sometimes it's almost like you don't want to really bring glory to the past. And we use all this great Christian metaphors to justify the lack of conversation about what God did in our lives. But I want to challenge you with a quote this morning, and then we're going to get into the word. See, the mission statement of Kingdom City is connecting, equipping, and empowering you to bring the reality of God into your world. And I've witnessed that, guys. Our church started in 2006 in a Starbucks cafe with three people. And now, as of today, over 30,000 people are in Kingdom City churches all around the world. Even in Botswana alone, we started in a restaurant called Wimpy, which is basically your kind of breakfast diner. Oh, do I, do I got any South Africans in the room? Come on. Hey, so you know about Wimpy, the cheese griller. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come on. Come on. The, the, the sunrise brekkie, you know, it's good stuff. Fed cook, and you open it up, and the bunny chow. You put some good stuff in there, Lord Jesus. Just take me back, Lord, right now. Anyways. We started in a wimpy with three people in Botswana at a shopping mall called Rail Park in 2015 because of a bunch of Botswanan exchange students that were studying in Malaysia, which is where our first campus was. And some hungry young people wanted to see a move of God happen in their home in Botswana. Within three months, they had 50 people by the time we launched the church, they were just vibrant and exciting and growing. And then, um, yeah, they, they had probably about, they had about 60, 70, you know, attending on a weekend by the time we got there, me and my wife, in 2017 in May. And to see what God has done, it's amazing. Now we do, <laughs> we do five services every weekend. Moving into a new building as we speak. Just because there's no room where we are for what God's trying to do. And... Um, and it's just, it's just been a miracle, guys, to see. Yeah, and like I said, we got over 1,000 people that are in church every single weekend. But the only way that happened was by a room full of people that were hungry and vulnerable and willing to share what God has done. Because see, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're not in a church service. This is where the church decided to gather today. But you are the church. And metaphorically speaking, I love that Charles comes from the medical field because this is actually not even a church building. This is a hospital. Right now, you're just in the hospital waiting room. I have the privilege to be one of the nurses. God's the doctor. And sadly, fear has robbed the body of Christ of its ability to encourage another patient in the waiting room. See, we cannot bring the reality of God to our world if we are afraid to show the world the reality of God in our own lives. We cannot bring the reality of God to our world if we are afraid to show the world the reality of God in our own lives. See, for me, you've heard a little bit of my story and some of my amazing people that have been rolling with us for the Hope Tour, but I was born in a divorced home, sadly so common today, partial custody, Weekend visits, uh, got sent away to go live with relatives, kid from a broken home. Uh, there was abuse. There was things that happened to me that shouldn't happen to any child. Um, it just was compound 
issues of generational pain and brokenness that led to me self-medicating my own issues, which led me to the rehab called the Dream Center in the first place. But it was in that place where five men of God, one coach, one youth pastor, one teacher, one volunteer, a youth worker that worked there, these five men put an arm around a young boy's shoulder, but they put hope into my spirit as they helped remind me and of who I was and who I could be and what they saw in me. But here's the thing, and here's the most valuable thing I need to get stuck in your head today. The greatest thing they shared with me wasn't just their victories, but it was actually their failures and their mistakes. See, the, the thought or the title, if this message had one, would be perfectly scarred. And I just need some of you guys to know that you are perfectly scarred for God's glory. But some of you need to stop photoshopping the truth of what God has brought you out of. We live in an Instagram generation where you don't even feel a photo's good enough until it's got the right filter and the right blur. It's like we've trained ourselves to think reality is no longer okay. That it, like we can't even take a picture of a plate of food without looking through the right filter just to make sure our food looks better in some sort of different light that is non-existent. And we've actually done this to our stories. We've done it to our Christianity. We've done it to our testimonies. And let's be honest, there's the Instagram version of who you are, and then there's the wake up in the morning version of who you are. And sadly, we portray a certain light to the world and based on us putting our best foot forwards, which in theory sounds good, has actually created an unhealthy fear. See, let's talk about scars. Normally, scars are considered the aftermath of damage, ugly reminders of failures, mistakes, and of accidents. But I want to challenge your perspective this morning and give scars a completely new definition. And I never want you to forget this for the rest of your life. From this day forward, the definition of a scar is healing that has left a mark. Resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. A scar is healing that has left a mark. Resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. Isn't it just like God that scar tissue can bond differently and become a bit more stronger than it was? Isn't it just like God that a bone can break and the calcium deposit forms and it creates an even thicker area than what was originally there? Ladies and gentlemen, I would wager this that your scar scars are the strongest part of who you are. But we've got a billion dollar industry of concealer and remover and treatments and literally people have made an obsessive cause of removing healing that has left a mark. See, the greatest gospel you will ever share will be the gospel according to you, the gospel of what Jesus has done in your life. Look at Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. I heard this chapter and this verse my entire life, and I never understood the full extent of it. It says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Now, again, growing up in black church, we would just stop at the testimony bit, get the tambourine, sing and dance, go eat some fried chicken after service, and that was just the end of it. We never even got through the whole verse. But the next part is the thing that changes everything, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. We've defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by our testimony. Okay, that's cool. 
But the second sentence, guys, actually shows you the prerequisite. If you want to defeat the enemy using your testimony, you can't love yourself so much. And this is not the whole love one another like you love. No, this is different. This is the self-preservation type of fear. Oh, no, I love myself too. I don't want to die right now. Because every time the Holy Spirit speaks to you in the grocery stores, you're at Kohl's or at Woolies, and God tells you on aisle seven to go stop and talk to that woman, and you start the internal debate in your mind. When you're at the, you know, you're at the servo and you're paying for fuel and God just gives you that little nudge to go love on this person and you begin the internal, oh no, is this God or is this just me? And we do this whole little song and dance in our own minds and sometimes out of fear and caution and rationalization, we miss the moment of God and we loved ourselves too much. We were too afraid to die in that moment. Remember, we're supposed to be like Christ. And the ultimate, fulfilling, the ultimate fulfillment of his calling was death on the cross for the sins of humanity, which leads me to believe that in the journey of your destiny, a death will be required. Maybe it might be a social death, a death of reputation, a death of the persona and the ego that you've created around you, a death of who people think you are to be, a death of the, 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 the buddy they knew from back in the day or the girl from school. And sometimes God is asking you to step into a new season, to step outside of yourself, to not love yourself so much, to be willing to die for your community, to be willing to die for humanity. I know even right now as we've heard about the health and wellness day, and he's like, hey, why don't you buy a ticket? for yourself and for someone else. Some of you right now know five people that you can invite, and money's not even the issue, but some of you are too embarrassed to pick up the phone because you love yourself too much. Because you got to remember, there's a two-part combination here, guys. It's not Jesus' job to fix the whole world. It's ours in partnership with him. Anybody that, you know, any of my men who frequent the, 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 the aisleways of Bunnings, there's a glue. And it's like a, and it's a glue. It comes in two little tubes. You know what I'm talking about? Like an epoxy. And so what happens is you can't just use one bit. I mean, maybe one part of it would work. It might stick decently. But if you really want the magic to happen, you've got to squeeze both tubes together. And when it gets mixed up, a chemical reaction begins to form. And this is when a bonding agent that can hold hold bricks and metal and steel together. That only happens when it gets mixed together. And the two-part combination is our testimony mixed with his blood. See, you got to understand, Jesus is here saying, look, I've died. I've got the blood. I, look, I, I shed it for the sins of humanity. I've got the blood, but I need somebody to come with their testimony. Can we mix this thing together? And can my blood mix with your story to create a bonding agent to bring the people to your world? That's what he's looking for. And Jesus is running around with his hands full of blood, wondering who he can mix it with. But they love themselves too much that they were afraid to die. See, fear is robbing the body of Christ of our testimony, of our scars, because we're scared to be vulnerable and share what we've been through. And out of fear, you know, you can mix in some pride, some shame, some distrust. We treat a scar two different ways. Number one, what do we do with scars? We try to, A, cover it up. Or we try to exaggerate it. All the boys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, you were just being an idiot running down the street, and you saw some pretty girl, and your shoulder cracked it on a pole. 
But you can't say that story when your friends ask you, hey, bro, how'd you get that scar? And you're like, oh, well, you know, mate, I punched a shock in the face, bro. You know, and, you, and we say all this kind of stuff, and it's almost as if the real story is not going to come on. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Like, we're ashamed of how the story really happened. No, actually, you just weren't paying attention. But we want to add layers and embellish the scar sometimes. And I want to say this very quickly, and for any people in this room right now, this is one thing I want to quickly dispel. You do not have to have some hectic testimony to be used by God. I want to remove this. There are no superheroes in the body of Christ. We've got too many people, citizens of Metropolis, waiting for the supermens of Christianity to do, oh, well, his testimony's better than mine. Well, you know, oh, oh, well, he know, I just grew up in church. Well, I just came from a good life. Well, I just this, I just that. Ladies and gentlemen, a sinless perfect man by the name of Jesus who never did any wrong was the most relatable powerful figure in our world's history so don't give me an excuse that says that you have to have some hectic story and make some hectic mistakes and have done all this stuff to be used by God the greatest testimony of all is to know nothing but faith the greatest testimony is to know nothing that God's nothing but he's a healer the greatest testimony is to know that you know I did grow up in church all the days of my life and I believe Believe in his word because hear me, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I need you to understand this. Injury as well as surgery leave a scar. And for some of you, the greatest testimony is here. Look, look, you see this scar right here? I was a prideful, horrible person, and God did brain surgery on my mind, and he changed the way I think and the way I love people, and your scar can bring healing standing at the door, inviting people into, the, into, into this house, into this church. Think about how much pride, arrogance, and ego has pushed people away from the body of Christ. The greatest, most powerful thing you may ever do is love someone, give them a hug, affirm them, and make sure with that, that every ounce of fear is killed at the door because the moment they walk in all their apprehension leaves that's a scar that's called brain surgery maybe he did heart surgery on you maybe you were a greedy person but the moment you started being generous and putting God first in your tithes and offerings and actually sowing into the house God broke selfishness off your life and you started seeing God move like never before that's a scar as well so you've got to understand an encounter with God leaves a scar we know it because in the presence even Adam had rib surgery in the presence, even a hip was dislocated. So ladies and gentlemen, don't worry if you haven't made some hectic mistake in life. In the presence of God, you will get every scar you ever need. No one's ever talked about that before, though. You get scars multiple ways. But here, we've got to stop running away from the things that make us us. Your testimony is beautiful. And we know, where does this happen? Probably the worst, right here in church. See, how often have you heard this? Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I, I'm going to go to church. Yeah, I, I really should. Yeah, you're, man, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I just, I got to sort some things out first, and then I'll come to God. Like, when your car's broke, you go to the mechanic. When you're sick, you go to the doctor. Teeth messed up, you go to the dentist. You know what I'm saying? But suddenly, we believed that before we could come to God, we had to sort ourselves out. But this is a lie that Christians have taught humanity, that we must break. Because one of the greatest things 
in a hospital waiting room when someone is afraid to go through a procedure is for someone else who's going through that procedure to sit with them and say, hey, it's okay. I know this doctor, and he's a great physician, and his, his, his hands are good. It's steady. And you're about to walk a journey of healing, of hope, of recovery, of restoration. And look at my scar. Look what God did for me. You look, yeah, yep, he saved me right there. Yep, he fixed me right there. It's okay. I'm going to be right here with you. That is what the body of Christ needs today. People who are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. In church, in our workplace, for those of you that are leaders, somehow we've thought that imperfections disqualify us from leadership. So we become cold and standoffish to the very people God called you to lead. But let's be honest. If I'm going through a war, do I want to follow a rookie or do I want to follow Rambo? You know what I'm saying? Show me some scars. I need to see that you've been through something, that you've made some of the mistakes that I've made, that you've been through some of the things that I've been through, that you've seen some of the stuff that I've seen. And that will actually validate your leadership more, not disqualify it. But here's a big one. Is a really big one. I need you to show your scars in parenting. Parents, some of the issues you are going through right now with your young people, you're pulling your head out, praying to God for the solution. You actually hold the key. Some of you haven't even shared your own scars with your kids. Some of them don't even know the mistakes you've made because either you're too afraid to admit it or too prideful to acknowledge it. But I feel the burden and the heaviness in a parent's heart in this room. And I'm letting you know that you are perfectly scarred to parent your children. You are perfectly scarred to raise your future. You are perfectly scarred to deposit the destiny in you inside of them. Ladies and gentlemen, I was 27 years old. I'd already been married for about, I don't know, three or four years. I'd already had two kids by this time. I was flying home uh, to go visit my, my, my folks. My mom, she'd been in the hospital for a little while, and I was going to see her. And I don't even know how the conversation began. But I'll never forget to the day I die that it happened. I was already 27, already married, already had kids. And it was the first time in my life my dad started to share with me about some of the mistakes that he had made when he was my age and some of the things he had done in his life. And I remember sitting there in a daze. I just remember mid-conversation, I said, Dad, where was this when I was 16 years old? Like I said, I grew up in a divorced home, and then my mom, she married my stepdad when I was six. And I love my stepdad because he stepped in, he stepped up, and he paid bills that needed to be paid and did what needed to be done. And I honor blended families in this room. If there's blended families in this room, you are the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But as a hormone-filled 16-year-old boy doing hormone-filled 16-year-old stuff, I felt so ashamed and so undesired. Because let me tell you about my stepdad. True story. Do you know the first time him and my mom kissed was when the minister said, you may now kiss the bride? That was their first kiss. They held hands the entire engagement. 
their first kiss was you may now, I know, right? Now some of you are like, I'm not like, that wasn't me either. But the whole point is just being perfectly scarred here. You know what I'm saying? Just being honest. But here's the thing. Held hands, he still has all his wisdom teeth, and they're straight. He doesn't even wear deodorant, doesn't smell. I'm still waiting for Agent J and Agent K to pick him up because I don't believe he's human half the time. That's a men in black reference. Some of you guys just totally missed that. It's okay. It's all good. But the whole point is, as a teenage boy, I thought he was so perfect and I was so unholy that I didn't deserve to be in his presence. And I pushed myself away from my dad because I had no idea that he was just like me. And I really feel for some of you, there's parents of even adult children in this room and you've never shared with your children your story, your pains, your failures. I had a woman in our church, literally I preached this message and she messaged me. And I saw her a couple of days and she was in tears. She says, Blake, my daughter's 25 years old and she doesn't even know who her real father is. And after hearing your message, I know I need to tell her and I'm terrified. I think she's gonna hate me. And I said, you have no idea what it's gonna unlock in your family when you open up about this. And she did it. And their relationship is better than it's ever been because there was an ache in the daughter's heart. She knew something was not okay, but she did not know what it was. She couldn't explain it. And so she decided to try to push away from it, which meant push away from her mom. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, in this room, you are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. And there is a generational inheritance that you will unlock. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't share your scars with your children, you have doomed them to repeat them. See, the way your children will benefit from your journey without having to go through it over again is by you imparting your legacy and inheritance on them through the sharing of the testimony mixed with the blood of the lamb. That's how you can defeat the enemy for your next generation. But some of you are so afraid because you think that somehow it's going to disqualify you or it's going to give your kids license to make the same mistake. But your children need to know that you're not perfect because when the moment you do that, I'll, let me show you just the benefits of this really quickly. Number one, sharing your scar, it maintains a humility. It creates an atmosphere of freedom. And it's one of the greatest natural repellents of the enemy. Remember, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And he uses this exact same tactic to try to do what? Pressure you into silence. But the moment you become vocal about what God has done, every single time the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of how God saved you in your present and how God's bringing you into your future. You literally take the devil's steam right out from under his feet, and this is your most powerful gift. There is a benefit to sharing your scars. And let me just quickly qualify it. Let me just quickly say this. Ladies and gentlemen, share your scars, not your wounds. This is big. Share your scars, not your wounds. Sadly, in the body of Christ, we have too many people being vocal about their festering, untreated sores and too silent about the healings and breakthroughs God has done in your life. 
There is amazing counseling and support. I met some of the team this week. There is so much prayer support, so many amazing spiritual mothers and fathers and pastors and leaders in this house. Remember, just like in the medical field, you only open up about your injury to someone who actually is licensed and can actually help heal it and walk you through the journey. But so too many people are bleeding on everybody else in the waiting room and too afraid to go to a doctor to actually get it sorted because you want sympathy, not healing. And there's a difference. Share your scars, not your wounds. Be vocal about what God has done through your life. But be open with the right people who can walk you through the right journey to bring the right healing into the project. Does this make sense? Is this connecting with anybody? Come on, talk to me this morning. Okay, it's good. I know it's a little heavy, but this is what I got felt from God. Because I'm telling you, I, here's, the, here's the why behind the what. God is about to unlock this house as an evangelism center of this part of the world. There is a supernatural inheritance that is in the soil of this building and God is about to blow this thing wide open but it needs a waiting room full of people that are open and beautifully vulnerable about the great physician and about what God has done and so all I'm doing right now is getting the nursing staff ready for the revival of healings transformations brain surgeries heart surgeries heart transplants life transplants the salvation that God is about to bring into this building I need need you to get ready to handle the influx because there is an epidemic outside. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It needs a room full of people that are hungry and ready to be open about their scars, to share the beauty. This is going to be a, this house will be a beacon of humility and grace in a time, in a, in a volatile time where the church feels like it has to be on eggshells every five seconds, the most powerful thing you can do is take over a city and conquer it through humility and love. And all I'm saying, it's been done. There's historical precedent for this. Do you know in ancient Rome, Christians were the most persecuted people group ever, literally fed to the lions in the Colosseum as the pre-movie snack. You know what I'm saying? But watch this. Two generations later, Rome was declared a Christian nation by the emperor himself. What the heck happened? Something very simple. An outbreak of disease and plague began to hit Rome. Everyone who had wealth and money, they ran. And all the Christians said, well, we were getting killed and persecuted anyway. We might as well stay and look after everyone who's still here. And the Christians began to look after the Romans even better than the Romans looked after the Romans. And this created a generational reputation of humility, love, and care. You guys will conquer Melbourne by your love. You will conquer Victoria by your love. You will conquer Australia through the love and humility of saying, let me show you my scars. Let me share with you what God did. Literally, even two generations after that, another emperor who was plotting, trying to get Christianity removed from Rome, on record, he said, it's too difficult to deal with because the Christians love the Romans more than the Romans do. And that was his biggest difficulty when he was trying to systematically remove Christianity out of Rome was deal with the love factor. If we as the body of Christ can get back to that, we will become an unstoppable force and no amount of legislation will be able to stop the move of God. Does this make sense? Talk to me. 
So as I close and as somebody comes and joins me and plays something beautiful behind me in the background, this passage I'm going to read you really inspired this whole concept. See, John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, but Thomas, sometimes called the twin one of the twelve, was not with him when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, "Mm -mm. unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. See, let me ask you this, guys. Why, when Jesus resurrected, did he choose to keep a damaged body? Do you ever wonder that? Like he made the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. Surely cosmetic surgery was not above his pay grade. Why would a perfect, holy, sinless God hold on to an imperfect damaged body he did it for you and for me see look at what the rest of the passage says eight days later his disciples were again in the room and this time Thomas was with them. And Jesus came through the locked doors and he stood among them and said, peace to you. But then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger, examine my hands. Take your hand, stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, believe. And Thomas said, my master, my God, See, the greatest example of being perfectly scarred was Jesus Christ himself. Do you realize what just happened here? This is so significant. Jesus had appeared, and we know this multiple times, over a 40-day period before he ascended. And the disciples are like, he's alive. We've seen the master. We've seen him. He's here. He's alive. And Thomas is like, yep, don't care. I don't care about the news. I don't care that he's alive. I don't care about you telling me he's alive. I need to see some proof. I need to see the proof of healing that has left a mark, resulting in the damaged area, being even stronger than before. Because hear me, guys, I am of the mind to believe that good old doubting Thomas would have still doubted had Peter, sorry, had Jesus, had a perfectly squeaky clean body. I think doubting Thomas would have still doubted because he saw the damage. He saw the spear. He saw the holes. And he needs to see proof that God has brought healing. See, some of your friends, they saw when the damage was inflicted. They saw you when you were out there. They saw what God, who you were before God came in. They saw you from back in the day, and now you just look so holy and perfect and act like nothing ever happened, and they need to see some proof. 
of healing that has left a mark, resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. Ladies and gentlemen, the belief of Thomas was not attached to the reappearance of Jesus. It was attached to his scars. Let that sink in. And there's too many of us doing what the disciples first did. We saw the master. He's alive. He's good. Oh, God is good. Oh, praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. People are like, yeah, whatever. Don't care. There are Thomases in your world that need to see some scars. They need to see that you are perfectly scarred. Maybe next time, and this is going to sound controversial, maybe next time don't invite them just to church. Maybe invite them out for coffee and actually get to know them and share your scars. It's not Uni Hill's job. It's not Pastor Charles' job. It's not the worship team's job to fix all your friends and save your entire world. It's your job to be perfectly scarred and to bring the reality of God to your world. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to not be a counseling session with Pastor Charles that's going to fix your teenager. It's going to be you sitting down at the kitchen table, actually having a real conversation about some things that maybe you've never actually been, you've never been, you've never had the courage to actually talk about some of this stuff. But I'm telling you, you, I, I, I feel this. There are people in this room. You have children that are away from God, and you are praying for their salvation daily, but they still don't even know who you really were. You are perfectly scarred for the glory of God to transform your family, to transform your corporation, to transform wherever area you lead, your workplace, the university, wherever God has placed you, you are perfectly scarred. Stop putting on spiritual concealer. This will be a humble, vulnerable, anointed, beautiful house, and you will see an influx of new people and salvations, and the doors will open, not because of the production, not because of the light, but these are sick, by the way. I'm telling you, it, it's not going to be all the stuff. It's not the bells and whistles. For I did not come to impress the world through fancy speech and eloquence of words, but by the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality of what he did in my life, I am perfectly scarred. I used to be ashamed, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you my qualification to be on this stage. I got kicked out of Bible college twice before I finally graduated the third time. I am a wreck. I am a mess. I am broken, damaged, human, imperfection to the core. But I am perfectly scarred. And if God can save me, if he can use me, he can use anyone. Stop hiding your greatest weapon. And they defeated him. By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. But they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, people's courage is attached to your scars. Healing is attached to your scars. Hope is attached to your scars. Belief is attached to your scars. And you know what's crazy about Thomas? He went on to pioneer a revival and a move of God in India. And his ministry was built on signs and wonders and proof that could be experienced and felt that God was real. 
what Thomases are in your world waiting to be unlocked. They know, they know about God. They've heard about it for years. You've invited them millions of times, but have you ever showed them your scars? You guys are going to see revival. But it will only be birthed in humility. You are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today, Jesus is so in love with you, but he needs you to take being like Christ to a new level. And there's such a touch of God in this room. Even right now, the Holy Spirit's already answered some of your prayers, some of the things you've been wrestling with. And it's been attached to this moment here. And you thought the solution was external, and the whole time it's been staring you in the face every single time you look in the mirror. But it's time for people to see your scars. And so just for starters, if there's anyone in this room, and maybe you are like me, like I was a Thomas, and maybe today is the first time ever you finally feel like your spirit's cry was awakened. Is this church going to really accept me? Will I actually be allowed to open up here? And I feel like the Holy Spirit answered your question that I think you've, you've done church and religion for years. But this whole relationship with Jesus thing has been something that's kind of scared you a little bit. But would you give God your wounds today? Would you give him your hurt? Would you give him your pain? And would you submit your life to Jesus Christ? Would you allow him to come into your life today? Because on the other side of your healing, on the other side of your journey, on the other side of your restoration, you are going to be a force to be reckoned with. So if that's you today and you'd like to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe today you realize, you know, I need to rededicate my life. Like I've been doing this whole shallow thing for far too long but today I need to be perfectly scarred for God's glory see one of the things that I hate is even at a moment of an altar call the spirit of fear creeps in and makes people afraid to even accept a response to Jesus when your spirit is crying out for it but again this is a hospital this is a waiting room and right now as a nurse it's my privilege to say the doctor will see you now and the worst tragedy would be for someone terminally ill to go into a hospital waiting room and to leave without the life-saving medicine and treatment they need to come so close yet to be so far. So I rebuke the spirit of fear and performance right now in this building in the name of Jesus. And I declare a revival of humility and openness and oneness. And I declare it to flow from the top to the bottom, from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Every mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, son, daughter, brother, sister, cousin, niece, nephew in this room right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare revival of humility right now. So if that's you, come on, hear me. And I'm not saying you had had some hectic life or it's not about sin. Sometimes the greatest thing you could rededicate your life from is simply a cold heart. 
heart. Sometimes it's simply fear. Sometimes you need to just allow God to come in perfect love, cast out all fear. You've done church so long. Let's try family this time. And so right now, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, or if you want to renew your vow to God and refresh your commitment and recommit your life to God, one, two, three, put your hand up right now. The love of God is here. Thank you for these hands all over this room right now. Come on, come on. The love of God is here. You're perfectly scarred. You're perfectly scarred. Come on. I know there's more. I know there's more. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing right now. What is God doing in your life? You are perfectly scarred, young man. You're perfectly scarred, young woman. Mom, dad, you are perfectly scarred. When you recommit your life, when you allow the revival to come into your world, watch what it does to your family. Watch what it does to your children. Come on. So right now, one more time, if you want to say yes to Jesus or recommit your life to God, raise your hand. One, two, three. Nice and high. Nice and high. Right now. Right now. Right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are so good. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray. And the Spirit of God is here. And it is alive. And it is moving in this room. Testimonies are going to pour in as God begins to change the culture and change the atmosphere right now. We're simply going to say our wedding vow to God. This is the I do moment. And from this moment forward, I need you to commit to the journey. Allow God to heal your wounds. And allow him to fill you with the courage to share your scars. But can we just pray this simple prayer together? Can we just say, God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me and to be perfectly scarred for me. Forgive me now of all my sins. Wash me clean and make me new and transform me into your image and your will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. But can we do something? Can we stand to our feet? I know I've gone a little bit over, but here's what I want to do. As we finish today, if I can just even have the worship team join me just for a second, because... The greatest people that are under attack in this context is actually the believers. Remember, if the devil can't keep you away from salvation, at least he'll make sure you keep salvation away from someone else. But I believe in this room there are trophies of grace, stories of restoration, living, breathing, walking miracles. And your story is going to unlock healing in your family. It's going to unlock it for your children. It's going to unlock it for the area you lead, for your coworkers. Even as I was speaking, the Holy Spirit was already putting people on your mind. Oh, I need to have coffee with so-and-so. Yep, I got to talk. I need to call my grandson. I need to speak to my son. I need to speak to my daughter. Already the Holy Spirit was reminding you and showing you how to immediately put legs and to add that to the faith of this message. But can we just worship for a moment? And right now, I believe that there are people in this room, and your story is powerful, but fear has robbed you of your voice. It has robbed you of your moment. It has robbed you of what makes you you, and your greatest weapon you have kept hidden until this moment. But I say no longer in the name of Jesus. Your story is going to unlock doors. It's going to break down walls. It's going to transform this nation in the name of Jesus. But if you feel like you need a touch of God to overcome the spirit of fear, if 
if you feel like I, I need wisdom and I need courage and I need strategy for how and when and what and why if you feel that you just begin to lift your hands right now there's an anointing I'm gonna pray over this room right now there is a divine anointing that is gonna come into this room right now I don't care how many mistakes you've made how many marriages have fallen apart how many things you've done how many children may be away from God you are not damaged goods you are beautiful and God will use your brokenness for his glory he will use your story for his purpose and for his power you are perfectly scarred for the glory of God so right now in this room I pray in the name of Jesus for every hand lifted I declare God encounters right now healing to happen right now transformation right now perfect love casts out fear God I pray for an overwhelming sense of your love in this room right now in the name of Jesus right now in the name of Jesus right now right now right now he's touching hearts he's touching minds right now the Holy Spirit is giving you everything you need right now he's gonna give you the courage even right now you, you, you can see it you're gonna sit down you're gonna have the talk and the thing that you've been so ashamed of it's gonna be like a burden that is lifted off your shoulders you are perfectly scarred 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 for his glory you are perfectly scarred for his purpose you are perfectly scarred you to be proud of your scars and to deal with your wounds Do you know we have incredible counseling at this church it's Jean Tom there's Ange Weeks we, we have the availability of people to help you to work through 
what you need to work through so that it can be used for the power of the kingdom of God. But I ask this, there will always be authenticity in this house. There will always be unity in this house, but there needs to be wisdom. Your wounds are not your testimony. Your scars are your testimony. What that's referring to is what God has healed and dealt with fully in your life is now for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Your wounds are the formation of your testimony that will come. You need to deal with your wounds. You need to be proud about your scars. Can we just pray as we close this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everybody in this room. And Lord, we receive the prophetic words that Blake brought that this will be, there will be an influx of salvation. There will be, Lord God, a building of those that go and minister the gospel where they are in their workplace, in their homes. It will be done, Lord God, with genuine love, with realness, Father. Lord, so that they meet the great physician, Father, that is you, Jesus. Please bless your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to open this altar. I don't know if there are people here that need prayer this morning, but we're going to keep the music as it is. I want to encourage you to please stay and connect, grab a coffee. But